Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. You've come to the right place to stay up to date. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Good morning. Good morning. In the latest Smart Driving Cars newsletter, one of the big headlines comes from a Bloomberg piece on the leader of Japan's SoftBank group, Naoshi-san. He's reportedly in talks to buy as much as a third of Swiss Re, a reinsurance giant. Uh, his other investments include Uber and Sprint and WeWork and more. There's speculation that his interest in insurance may have to do with developing a product for the new world of self-driving cars and in the interim, maybe apps for the gig economy. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I think this is very interesting. I mean, one has to look at what SoftBank is doing because they're basically um, rolling up a uh, investments in in a bunch of players that can come together and and accelerate uh, this whole process and uh, and it's uh, for me glad I'm very happy to see uh, to see interest in insurance uh, because I guess for maybe as long as we've been doing the newsletter certainly as long as we've been doing the podcast. Um, I, I've, I've felt that insurance um, can be a very big and important player in the accelerated uh, uh, commercialization and adoption of, of this technology. And, um, and I, I suspect that they see that. And, and, and the insurance entity that, that really goes out there and leads uh, this uh, wave of technology, I think we'll, that they'll be in, in front of the curve, as, as it is said, and, uh, and, and basically reap the disruption benefits to the, um, to the classical um, ins- uh, auto insurer. And I think there's real opportunity, and that fundamental opportunity is that really um, the, the, the change from the past is that in the past, uh, uh, technology that led to safety uh, basically uh, provided safety, but it provided safe, safety at, at higher insurance costs. And the, the reason why the higher insurance costs was because the losses were greater. So it took more to to replace the airbags the, uh, and to un, uncrunch the, 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 the crunch zones and so on. And... Uh, and in fact, um, as we all know, uh, most unfortunately, uh, uh, it's more expensive if you live than if you die. Uh, I mean, that's that's the brutal reality. And so, the, the whole concept of of of, of, of crash mitigation uh, as the approach to safety, which has been our fundamental concept over the past fifty years, is to uh, you know when the crashes happen, don't have people die and and have the injuries be less, but and, but unfortunately we've had this um, this implication on insurance. So you you really couldn't ask insurance to really be a, a fan of these things because um, they just you know saw their costs increasing. Um, I mean, of course they were you know for 
for all the various good reasons, but but from a bottom line reason, it's it's a little bit difficult unless you're cynical about the insurance industry and say, hey, the 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 more revenue they have, um, the better off they have because they use it to to invest and so on and so forth. But 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 what's interesting about about the new technology is it is it it's focused on crash avoidance and and i've said many times here you know nitsa if there's anything that the department of transportation nitsa should do is that it should fundamentally change its mindset or evolve its mindset to not include just crash mitigation but to really be focused on crash avoidance and if, in fact, what they do and what all this technology does leads to crash avoidance, then, of course, guess what? The first, those insurance companies um, that are out there are going to get to keep more of the money that they take into uh, uh, for premiums, and therefore they'll get richer. So, uh, I, and, and therefore they should have they, they should be encouraging you know crash avoidance. They might maybe they can even afford to pay for it. That's interesting. And you, you've been talking about that for for some time, that the, the insurance industry really could be a driving force behind this. An enormous driving force because, you know, as consumers, we don't buy safety because we think we're safe. It's the other, as you, Fred, you're the one that's not safe. You should buy it. Me? No, I'm, I'm safe. And so, you know, on an individual basis, the, the incentive isn't great. But the insurance entity sitting out there saying, hey, look, I'm going to put this in your car. You're going to be safe, and we're going to get to. I'm going to get to keep more of your money. Whoa! And and I, I I've been saying insurance should be out there making this happen. It's in their best interest, and and is in their in their fiduciary responsibility to their stockholders. And now SoftBank, I guess that's what they see. We're we're only guessing at this point, but perhaps we can we can be hopeful. Now, we don't know how much resistance there might be in Congress, but this week. President Trump said he would be in favor of a 25 cent a gallon gas tax increase uh, to help pay at least for his infrastructure plan. That is pretty big news. I mean, oh my goodness, I just became a Trump fan. I mean, <laughs> it is big news because because one's worried about how you fund the, the roads and so on, and we have... It's amazing how elegant the, the the gas tax system is. It, it's just it's just so elegant because the, the 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 tax is built into the price, and yes, they sort of show it to you in fine print on 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 the on the on the cards in there in the at the gas station. You can hardly see it, and it's collected at the wholesale level. So in fact, you know, the, the, the possible, you know, failure to collect or pay cash and whatever and all that stuff, you know, that, that happens with what sales tax or some other things, maybe. I don't know if they happen. Somebody told me those things happen. Uh, don't happen in the gas. And, and, and in fact, it's when you look at it, the more you drive, the more you pay, the more you pollute, the more you pay, the, 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 the bigger gas guzzler that you buy, the more you pay. So in a sense, it it really has all the incentives uh, to uh, to basically have people um, you know uh, behave uh, and 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 purchase properly. And it's so simple. The only problem with it, the bad side, is we've called it a tax. And so, oh my goodness, we can't tax anybody. 
And if you look at, you know, if you look at how much the volatility and the price of gas that, that basically OPEC and, you know, and, and who knows what profiteering that's taking on, you know, with respect to, to petroleum products, I mean, it fluctuates all over the place. 25 cents, we don't even see. It'd be, you know, make it 50 cents, make it a buck, make it two bucks. It's it's if you look at at at, uh, at consumer products, uh, consumables or uh, commodities that 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 we as consumers buy, it's probably the most inelastic one. We'll pay anything for it, as as has been shown. And in some sense, it's it's probably the easiest way to collect money from us uh, to be able to fund not only highways but we can fund our social programs too. Uh, I think it's great, um, and it, because the alternative people have been talking about, oh, we're going to watch you, and we're going to put GPS receivers in you, and we're going to count up the miles that you drive, and we're going to look at wherever you drive, and then we're going to charge you. And then, I mean, can you imagine the accounting and 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 the 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 nightmare that would be involved in that? I mean, whatever. So I, I don't know. I became a Trump fan. Well, at the same time, uh, thinking about it, Alan, it, it, would it give an incentive for people to buy more electric cars? And is that unfair? Um, well, right now we give enormous incentives for people to buy electric cars. I mean, we, what do we do? The tax, the, the tax rebate is like $7,500 or something like that. Over here in the engineering school parking garage, they just put on on the first level of the parking garage uh, essentially an infinite number of chargers to give you free electricity, and and the parking really prime spaces. I mean, my goodness, I want to go out and buy one just just for the parking incentive. I mean, they're enormous, and and, and right now electric cars are are just they they still need those incentives. So maybe we take some of those incentives and let this be the the incentive, and then we figure out a way to. If we want the, if we want to impose on them at some point, um, some charge to help pay for the, pay for the infrastructure, structure, we'll figure it out. But right now, the number of electric vehicles out there in the fleet and, and the number that we expect even in the next 10 years is so small that, that, that that's not what we need to worry about. And, uh, and uh, that's not a, I mean, I don't see in, in, when you put out the arguments and, you know, good and bad and you say oh my goodness we have to go through and and have an absolute nightmare associated with collecting um, uh, uh, vehicle mile tax uh, uh, use tax on vehicles uh, just to be able to deal because we can't address the uh, the electric vehicle problem I mean I don't know I'm just a lowly academic here in the backwaters of New Jersey what what can I tell you well, you aren't that far from the river at Princeton. I'll give you that much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we've been talking about Amazon, it seems, just about every week. Uh, this week, Forbes has a piece saying that Amazon's plans for delivery service uh, to rival UPS and FedEx hints that it may have a driverless car program that has advanced more than many people suspect. But I think that wouldn't surprise you. It, it, it would not surprise me. It just would not surprise me. I mean, you know, if if, if they've been working on a drone program, they, they absolutely have had to be and been working on a on a driverless program. Again, as we we talked about in the past, 
the roads are unused between basically, you know, 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. And so out here from the Robbinsville distribution center that Amazon has, or maybe it's from the from the um, Whole Foods on Route 1, boy, they could deliver to my house, uh, you know, and whatever. And we, we and, and in a sense, if you look at the, the logistics issues associated with Amazon, you know, they can source the stuff, they can, they can get us to buy it, they now have to get it to our house and or our apartment and um and that's still their big challenge and um and doing it driverlessly is hey you know you're not putting anybody at risk between 1 a.m and 4 a.m you're not putting a driver at risk you're not putting children at risk at least most of them are in in, in bed and so on so um it's an enormous opportunity for them. And they, they, they got to see, look, you just need to look at the, at the, this, the, uh, Amazon strike stock prices, uh, you know, since, uh, their IPO and say, whoa, um, they're not stupid. And they've got an awful lot that goes on behind the scenes. People obviously know of Amazon as the, the giant online retailer and now owning, owning Whole Foods, but that whole, Computing infrastructure that they've built that is so widely used by so many industries is something that goes on behind the scenes that lots of folks maybe aren't aware of. I mean, where did that come from? Oh, my goodness. We thought maybe IBM would do the, the cloud or maybe Microsoft might do the cloud. Amazon Web Services. Whoa. I mean, it's... It, you know, it's absolutely brilliant what they've done. But of course, you know, Jeff's a Princeton grad from the School of Engineering and blah, blah, blah. And so we're very proud of him. Uh, he should open up his checkbook. <laughs> well, another, <laughs> another, another company we talk about quite a bit is Waymo, the Google Alphabet uh, self-driving spinoff. On a recent earnings call, Alphabet announced that Waymo will be coming out with its own ride-sharing app later this year. Uh, perhaps that has to do with Waymo's ordering thousands of self-driving minivans from Fiat Chrysler, which we've talked about. Yeah, well, we've talked about that. We talked about that because they made the announcement back in, in January in the, um, at the Transportation Research Board meeting that, in fact, they were going to they were going into uh, basically commercial service and do actual service with respect to the the operation that they had in Chandler, Arizona, you know, up to now, whatever now is, or at least at the end of uh, of last year, they they basically were were giving rides to volunteers, and so uh, there were sort of pre-screened people that they had identified. But out of that um, experience, they were developing their own app that looks like a Lyft or a DD or a, or an Uber app. And um, and basically uh, uh, preparing themselves to go in the ride hailing business, and of course the transition to the the driver of this ride hailing business involved first uh, the taking of the of the Waymo attendant who's in the vehicle ready to take over in case uh, something happens, uh, taken from behind the wheel to the back seat, and then. But at some point, you take him, uh, take him or her out of the back seat, and it's driverless. And who's riding in there? Not uh, not just your um, the people that you identify, but the general public. And so that's a, a normal evolution. And um, we're just all waiting to see um, see it, see them roll it out. 
going to be a big splash at some point in the, in the near future, I suppose. On the financial front, NVIDIA ended its fiscal year with a 41% increase in sales. And while they've been best known for their graphics processors for PCs uh, used by video gamers, they've become a real force here in, in smart vehicle technology. Absolutely. I think as as we also talk about on this podcast, I went to the GPU conference last year in San Jose uh, that they host and, and expected it to be, you know, just a bunch of gamers. And there's 7,000 people and, you know, at least 6,000 of them were, were from Fortune 500s. And going out there again in in, um, in March on, um, on uh, March 24th or 5th or whatever the, the the, the date of it is, and and I imagine there'll be you know ten thousand people there, and everybody's interested in the GPUs, and and the, and the compute power that they they, they perform simply because uh, uh, for servers it's made uh, it's made servers so much more efficient, um, and so the the whole cloud computing. Uh, Portions are there. I'm sure Amazon Web Services buys um, uh, NVIDIA uh, processors, but then there's all the the whole Bitcoin um, stuff and, and blockchain is all based on now having you know NVIDIA type processors. So everybody that's doing computing on that wants to get those, and then in cars. To be able to do the uh, to have enough processing power to do the um, the even just the self driving or the safe driving piece in a sense uh, the safe self and driverless um, all of a sudden uh, their chip architecture and 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 computing architecture it's just not for gamers anymore. And yes, there are a lot of gamers out there and they do buy a lot of computing, but all of a sudden if you look at these industries, the Bitcoin and the and the the cloud computing and now the the, the smart driving car industry, um I don't know. Um um and I own a very little bit of NVIDIA stock that I have that I bought myself that I hey, I was happy I bought it. I should have bought more, of course. I mean, but I buy high, sell low. So what can I tell you, Fred? Well, hold on to that NVIDIA at least for now. <laughs> That's the only thing that's saving me. Oh, I think you got more going than that. But in the coming soon department, the U.S. Department of Transportation has scheduled a March 1st conference. The car makers, tech companies, and road safety advocates uh, designed to speed the safe rollout of self-driving cars. So this is a, a big deal conference coming up real soon. Well, I guess it is. I mean, the thing is, is that, that Washington is so far behind in this. They've got to do something to catch up. And, and my only message to them, I think I said it earlier in just the, the, this talk, they need to fundamentally change their mindset or evolve their mindset from a crash mitigation mindset to a crash avoidance mindset. And probably the first thing they have to fix is the automated emergency braking system and make those a heck of a lot better. And, and, and to actually work when, when we're clueless, because that's when we need them most. And, and for somehow, you know, that, oh, we have to have, uh, you know, driverless cars. No, we've got to get the automated emergency braking system so so the cars that all of us drive 
don't let us crash. And that's where we'll get the safety. And in some sense, you know, safety is the only business that, that Washington should be in. That certainly is their primary business. And safety is, is delivered by safe driving cars, which means the cars that we end up going to the, to the, to the um, uh, showrooms to buy should have technologies in them that, that okay, let us drive, but basically uh, don't let us um, uh, be making mistakes and, 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 and acting like idiots. And, and, and having us, you know, uh, uh, then and go crash. And that should be, that should be, that is a major change in the view of Washington. And I, they probably won't even discuss that. So that's all right. Whatever. The department uh, plans to unveil the, the revisions to its self-driving car guidelines this summer. And uh, I guess you, you, it doesn't sound like you hold out much hope that it's going to go in the right direction necessarily completely can you imagine i mean it's it's not much it's not new york times front page news uh you know federal dot decides that their major thing should be uh getting automated emergency braking to actually work <laughs> you know that, that that's not going to be very exciting so of course they're going to talk about something else but if you ask me what they should do is they should do that it just evolves and comes out of it, and everybody's happy. It's an evolutionary process, as, you, as you've been saying all along. Yep. Well, that's it for this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Find us at smartdrivingcar.com on SoundCloud, and look for my tech reports at textination.com. And did you know that you can ask uh, Alexa, Google Play Music, or, or Siri to play the podcast as well? I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.